My name is Amanda. And I'm Kristen. And we are the Extra Sisters. So sit back, relax, and let's get creepy. Welcome to episode 103. And in this episode, for the first movie we are reviewing of the spooky season, we are going to review Sinister. And it's been a long time since I've seen this movie, but I do remember when I saw it the first time, I actually really enjoyed it. And mostly because of the fucked up home movies that we're going to talk about. So, right. You know, if you've seen this movie, then you know that it's really dark when it came out in 2012 it came out right around the conjuring and we kind of started that that trend of really dark films yeah yeah and if you haven't it's on netflix i think it's still on netflix so if you haven't and you want to go watch it you can head on over to netflix and check it out but this film is about i'd say demon but you said it was more of a deity it is, but, it is yeah. Begul is a pagan god that you worship. So, yeah. Yeah. So, spooky to worship. Like, can you imagine worshiping something like this? That, that means it's like in your life. I guess you'd rather worship it than it be on your bad side. Right. But I'm sure Lord. it's more only worshiped by bad people because they do talk about how good people really try to get rid of all of his images, any paintings, any drawings, anything like that, just in case he can come through. Imagine being a bad person and then deciding you don't want to be a bad person anymore, though. You know? I know that probably doesn't happen. I don't think back then with pagan gods, you're allowed to just make that switch. (laughs) You're like, you know what? I decided to not want to devour little children's souls anymore. So, Right. Good lord. Okay. So this film starts off actually with what I really like about this is it sets the tone right away and it gets you really into the spooky yuki vibes here. Yes. I honestly don't remember if I saw this in theaters or if I watched it at home. Same. I think I I think I watched most things at home. I have a really hard time with until recently, until you and I really started going to horror movies a lot, I didn't like seeing horror in theaters, which I thought was going to be hard for me with this podcast, to be perfectly <laughs> honest with you. I'm not saying I have sensory issues as in like a, I have sound issues with things being too loud and it making me feel bad. Mm-hmm. So I horror movies do that thing where they're really quiet, then all of a sudden they're really loud and it upsets me. But this one... It doesn't really do that too much, but it also uses sound really well in a very eerie way. It's like very quiet, low, subtle sounds while it's showing you something terrible. Yeah, it does have the spookiest soundtrack, which, by the way, I know you were kind of interested in it, is an actual song that they had to track down and buy the rights to. And you can actually get a CD of it. I forgot the name of it and who did it, but this guy has only done like one song ever and it's this one um that's weird but <laughs> right <laughs> he's like i am gonna get really high and write the most right. horrifying song you've ever heard in your entire life actually also on that note on my spotify which is actually not the extra sisters podcast because we don't have our own spotify account you have to find me which is my name is amanda lee i think my last name on there is christian but we have a spooky jams pl- creep no it's creepy jams playlist and it has a song from sinister on there and if you turn it up it's super fucking spooky <laughs> yeah i always skip it <laughs> but because i'm like i can't vibe with that right now and actually there's one from the conjuring and one from sinister back to back on that playlist i think are pretty close together because i think of them similarly mm-hmm. 
and it, they're super spooky. Anyways, <laughs> so there's it starts with an old projector reel family hanging, and this family is hanging from this tree, and they start hanging very slowly because a branch is breaking off very slowly, and they hang, and that's just how you start. <laughs> yes. So off to a great start. And you find out that this author is moving to this family that we see the hung up. He's moving to their home and he's going to write a true crime novel. Now he's had a hit called Kentucky blood and then he had a flop right after that. So he's trying to find his next New York times bestseller case and the cops don't want him there. And you see that pretty quickly. His family's moving in and the cops come and they're like, can you not fucking do this? And he is already kind of bickering with the cops about it. And his wife immediately is like, are the cops mad at you because you moved a couple doors down? Like, please tell me we didn't move like three doors down from a murder scene or something. And he's like, I promise we didn't, mm-hmm. which is such a fucking cop out because yeah. you moved into the house. He's a coward with her. Like he never fesses up to anything. And when he, she finally finds out, he's like a whiny little bitch about it. Wham, my book. Yeah, well, and plus, like, uh, she even calls him out, too, in the scene, like, almost right after that when they move in. She's literally like, if this doesn't work out, I'm taking the kids and I'm moving in with my sister. Haha. And they, like, laugh about it. And I'm and like, he's, oh, like, cool shit. with it. He's like, yeah, that seems fair. Are you fucking yeah. kidding me? <laughs> yeah. It's so funny. I literally, like, made a note. And well, at first I made a note that I was like, nah, baby, you moved into the crime scene. And then uh, I said, she's going to leave him if this goes to shit, LOL, because they're like <laughs> laying in bed and they like kiss about it. And she like smiles and goes to sleep. And I'm like, wait, exactly. Right? <laughs> okay. So y'all know that this is like his last chance at being successful or you're taking the kids and leaving him. And he's like, like, that's cool. I'm going to write another book. You take the kids. I don't need them anymore. Well, and the another point that I was going to make is he knows he could go be a professor at a college or be an editor and make buku bucks. Like, you could yeah. make a lot of money doing that. And he's like, it's so soulless. Motherfucker, you think being, like, anything that most of us do for work is fucking amazing like exactly do you think my dream is being a healthcare manager no like (laughs) yeah I sat there as a little girl (laughs) clicking my pin like wow I can't wait to get yelled at by boomers all day like I didn't see that professional Barbie (laughs) yeah exactly sitting at a desk like holding their forehead with a phone up to right here (laughs) being yelled at about a copay like no but we do it so we can support our lifestyles and our families the best we can like get over it Uh, she got this with her sister she'll figure it out exactly and plus like i'm making not that much money and you could go work at a college or be an editor and probably make six figures yes so obviously because we see his house at the end the house that they moved from and fucking a he's making some money uh yeah this thing is fucking massive if i look if somebody was like you have to look at other people's books and correct grammar all day but we'll pay you like 150 grand i'd be like sign me up no problem absolutely (laughs) agreed like or like just drone on at a college about like writing also sounds like a pretty fucking awesome job (laughs) of all but anyways he wants to write a true crime book he wants to solve this case because that family that we saw that was hung by the tree obviously they're dead but the thing is there's one family member that was not hung and it's a little girl i think her name is stephanie and she went missing so 
sans one family member here. (laughs) (laughs) So we have to find out what happened to Stephanie. But when they move in, someone left a box. And I literally put my notes, ooh, it's the worst (laughs) box ever. It's a box of projector reels. It's just Uh, family videos. Home movie. yeah well they're not like it's not like when you move into a house and you're like oh wow i get to learn about the previous owners no no <laughs> i mean a no. little bit like I, they had yeah. a barbecue <laughs> they had a barbecue and a family pool party and <laughs> they yeah. did some lawn work <laughs> yeah exactly yeah well <laughs> they did but you see the thing is they all died so <laughs> right after these events here so they do have super eight film in them and he has a, I don't, I think he, the projector he found up there too. I'm yeah. assuming he didn't just have that. Yeah. It was in the box. Yeah. 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 The music and projector videos of these families being killed in this film have always freaked me out. It's like my favorite thing about this movie. And I think it's also the thing that sets it apart mm-hmm. from other horror films. And like, it's not like the first time we've seen like super eight projector film being used in a scary movie. But it is the first time it's been used quite like this, in, I think, unless I'm wrong, but I don't think I am. And the first like one that film, he... In another film? Yeah. Is that what like, you're asking? Yeah, I'm pretty sure this is basically all. And so the first one that he pops in is this family barbecue that you were talking about. <laughs> and it is this family at a barbecue. And he's just like, okay, okay. And then it cuts to nighttime and there's a car and then there's somebody walking around with the camera and then you see a family inside the car all tied up and duct taped and over and their the mouth car has big honking chains over it. it is a coffin at this point oh yeah oh yeah oh yeah it's lit and <laughs> it's lit and it's a bad joke <laughs> and-, <laughs> and so somebody lights it on fire and the family is then barbecued Get it? Get it? Get it! So he's like, oh god, you know, so now he's like, that's a fucking problem, and then the spooky stuff at night starts happening, so he has this son and a daughter, and... Really quick, just to differentiate, the spooky stuff does start happening from the very beginning, but it's his kids that are acting weird in the beginning, it's not until he actually sees Bagul until it really starts haunting him. It's mostly like his his son has night terrors, stuff like that. Yeah, well, his son, well, and his daughter's like, I don't want to fucking be here. And she like paints on the walls and stuff. And I'll get to that later. But like they let her. It's not like a scary thing. But I'll get to that in a minute. But his son, let's talk about his night terrors for a second. Because right after he watches this first film. His and son starts is getting, the most terrifying part of this movie. Dude. <laughs> his son is fucking and this is actually one of the things that was in the trailer years ago that i remember his son is like he walks down the hallway because he hears something and his son fucking comes out of a moving box backwards like the fucking exorcist Mm -hmm. coming down the stairs and just starts yelling and i'm like no 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 throw the whole kid away screaming oh my fucking god And how does his wife always manage to get there? Like, this one makes sense because he's screaming. But there is a point where Trevor is outside with his night terrors. And he's in a bush. And you just see his face. And it's, like, shaking. he's, like, (gasps) like that. And it's just 
the son and the dad there, but the wife all of a sudden comes walking down the hall as he's walking inside. How the fuck? Because she was out. She was fucking asleep. I don't know, but chain your kid up. <laughs> right? <sighs> no, I don't like chain him up. I guess that's inhumane. Put him they in do a mention like a that dog. they're going to need to put locks on his doors. I mean, honestly, but that's safer than your kid just going outside at night. Exactly. Like, what else can you do? I don't know. I'd lock my kid up, too. Mm-hmm. And his kid is, like, 12. It's not like he's, like, 5. He's, like, a big kid. Yeah. Like, you know, like, tall, gangly. It's spooky, right? Mm-hmm. He's got some height. <laughs> so Yeah. It, it, yeah. So the next night, we're watching another home movie. And the family, it's a pool party. And they're pool having party. a great time. And then... The family is tied to these loungers and somebody is pulling them by a rope into the pool and they're drowning and you actually see like their feet moving. So it's not like they are like passed out previous to this with no knowledge that they're drowning. And then you get a glimpse of Bagul, this evil deity thing in the pool and it kind of glances up. Yeah. And like that, that just, I don't know, like what way of these i thought about this like in what way i would want to die in any of these films i cannot imagine yeah no they're all fucking terrible like uh he gets axe murdered at the end that's not a good one a lawnmower nope won't take that one (laughs) i definitely would not go with a lawnmower i mean like drowning fire i'd probably go with oh I'd probably go with drowning over the fire. Yeah, I've thought about that a lot, actually, over the course of my life between drowning and burning. Yeah, we do have a sleepy time one, but I don't remember what really happens. So they get throat stabbed. Slit. Throat they slit. get their throat slit. That's right. Yeah. No, I don't, I don't want that one because he's awake when that happens. Like, if yep. you knock me out and do it while I'm asleep, then I guess. But no. But that's not how this works. He wants no. them to be, like, aware. Exactly. And once he sees Bagul in the pool, Bagul in the pool, that's hilarious. Bagul in the pool. (laughs) (laughs) Once he sees him, then the real haunts start happening. Like, he was definitely going after the kids. He was definitely causing the kids to feel weird shit. So they were already going to attack him. But now he has seen it and now he knows and the haunts really start happening. Yeah, it's not great. Also, since we were talking about the drowning and We've talked about the hanging, and let's talk about some real-life creepy shit, okay? So, the stunt coordinator on this movie was not great. So, the pool party was actually really difficult to shoot because those were the real actors in those chairs that were chained to them, and they were really pulled into the water and drowned. Mm-mm. I don't. I would never have that much faith into some in someone, ever. Like, people have died on films before. Oh, yeah. That's why, like, if I, I've always said I wanted to be in a horror movie, I just want to be the bitch running away from a slasher <laughs> that requires no stunts except for, like, running is kind of a stunt, you know, because, like, I fucking hate it and I'm not good at it. But, like, you know, there's not much risk. If I fall, I fall. Like, the worst thing that's going to happen is, like, I break my ankle, you know, like, that's not that big of a deal. Right. Hanging, drowning, and we all know what happened on the set of The Crow. They shot yeah. a prop gun at him and it actually fired and killed him. Like, absolutely not these companies they cut corners they hire these shady people they don't know you're putting your life in someone's hands just assuming they're going to do their job well i can tell you i make mistakes at my job all the time and i've been doing it for five years and you don't hold lives in your hands correct exactly well it gets even worse because the tree hanging part that actually was stunt people but those stunt people were actually hanged and choked because the stunt coordinator 
fucked up. So mm -hmm. thankfully they survived and he was fired, but those people are really hanging. So see, I know that we are it. watching snuff films. <laughs> yeah, see, I know that the budget of this film was only three million. And when I say only, like, yeah, that sounds like a lot, but when you have to pay, like Jason Blum did this film, all yeah. the actors, all the crew, your sets, your cameras, all the you know, all the production assistants, that doesn't go super far, especially when you're doing a wide release. You also have a marketing budget to think about trailers all this stuff right so right. that's not a huge budget so yeah but don't cut the stunts when you're literally drowning you're not literally drowning people but when right. you need a drowning scene and a hanging scene maybe you know when you just have a slasher film and you don't need that much do that but like not this one this was not yeah. the one to cut the stunt on <laughs> exactly i mean you almost ended up with four deaths and what about the actors on the chaise lounge or the bagul which by the way bagul means boogeyman it's literally translated that way which is kind of cool but the guy who played bagul when he's in the bottom of the pool they had to put weights on him to keep him down at the bottom what if nobody came and got you <laughs> what what if something happened i don't know i mm. don't trust people enough for that I don't either. And especially as in, I know that a lot of people are like actors and actresses have such an easy job. No, they do not. They, they do. Absolutely do not. I mean, maybe some of them and some films, but I really do not agree with that at all. Like, do I think they get like the A-listers maybe get paid too much for small films and appearances mm -hmm. and then they walk away with like 40 million in their pocket? Yeah. But right. like, you know, do I think that they have an easy job? Absolutely not. No. Right. I mean, even if it wasn't this, what about the fact that I am a total introvert? I could never go to all those big Hollywood parties that they have to go to. They have to network like that. Could never do it. Okay. Real quick. I know I talk about Adam Driver a lot, but this is <laughs> pertinent to the conversation. He has really bad anxiety about like he uh, he is an introvert and he hates going to premieres he will not watch himself on film he mm -hmm. will not listen to himself on film so going to these premieres and these parties are his worst nightmare you literally there are clips of him looking for his publicist and his wife if he cannot see them you can see the panic in his face it's really sad that would like, be me even family yeah. events like I grew up with just my mom and I, and if we go to a family reunion, that's, you know, 20 people that I'm not around all the time. Uh -huh. And then she'll bail on me because she's a social butterfly. I'm the one stuck in the corner hanging out by myself eating dip. Like, that's oh, me. Oh, same. <laughs> my mom does that shit, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So there are some actors that are like that. And I only know about him because, like, eh, I'm obsessed. But, you know. <laughs> That that really does happen to a lot of them, unfortunately. But, you know, also he makes uh, millions. So, you know, at least there's that. <laughs> right. And he continues to take these roles because that's his passion. But also, like, the trade-off kind of is difficult. Right. But exactly. Also, talking about these home movies, just because we are talking about them right now, Ethan Hawke had actually not seen any of these snuff films yet. So his reaction is real. I'm sure it probably would like real life reactions would have been much more terrifying, but he does a good job acting through it, but he had not seen those. So like when he grabs the, the, the glass trying to drink more and there's nothing in it, like that stuff's real. Yeah. I mean, they are pretty intense. Like, yeah. Jeez. Uh, yeah. So actually on the note of the films, there's one pretty much right after this, there is another, I, this is the sleepy, the sleepy what, time. 
sleepy time. Yeah. Another family lying in bed. They're tied up and duct taped. And this one, their dog is in bed, which is really sad. The, nothing happens to the dog except it's barking and its family gets killed. Like, it's really sad. Yeah. But their throats get slit. Yeah. And in this one, the person filming is walking down a hallway and you actually see this occultish looking symbol which is the symbol for bagul mm-hmm. and this is the first time he sees it and he stops on it so he can actually like print it out now he's one of these he's got this big fbi looking board with all these strings attached and all this stuff you know so he's adding all this to his board and he also printed a big thing of bagul's face i would not <laughs> like even if i did it would not just be like staring at me all the time i'll tell you that i'm assuming he thinks it's a masked serial killer you right, know yeah but fuck that even still that's terrifying mm-hmm and that's why I made a note that he's drinking a ton to deal with what he's seeing. Yes. Especially after seeing these films. And his wife even says, there's something different about this case because you hit the whiskey a lot sooner and a lot harder than you have with your other books that you've written. Right. And I'm I'm not saying that he's an alcoholic. And I'm not even saying that true crime people don't open a bottle of wine when they're going through some, you know, crime scene photos. But I feel like he hits it really, really hard to like, quote unquote, this career. What Do something else, dude, because this one's hitting you hard. Go edit books. Yeah. Because an alcoholic does not mean or does not equate to a super great parent. Like, you can't be there for your kids all the time. Even if you're not the alcohol. He's a terrible fucking parent. Like, the only thing he wants is his fucking book. He just wants his legacy through his book, even though his wife tells him, your legacy is your kids. Like, there is a point where his daughter is so sweet, and she wants to bring daddy coffee, probably because he doesn't talk to his kids very often. She brings him coffee, and he opens the door and takes a phone call and shuts the door really quick. Like, a thanks, sweetie, and that's it. You're a fucking asshole. Yeah, and you can tell... She clearly wants more affirmation. That's why she wanted so badly to take him his coffee because it was going to be the one moment that yeah. she got to see him. Yeah. I know? mean, he's even working all night. Work during the day while your kids are in school so you can hang out with them at night. That's how it really should work. Nope. It's his world and they just live in it. I just need to write this book. I just need to write this one book and then we're going to be on Easy Street. Meh, meh, meh. That's what he mm-hmm. does the whole time. The exactly. whole time. He's so whiny. Oh, yeah. He's a big man child. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, the this night, or this next night, or whatever night this is, he's researching these family murders, and the power goes out, and the attic starts creaking. Absolutely not. Do not go up into the attic. That's the last place you go thinking there's a serial killer on the loose since, like, the 60s that's <laughs> haunting you. Fuck no. Mm-mm. And he goes up into the attic. So, first of all, I have many a problem with this. You call the fucking police. I know you don't fucking want to. And I know the police aren't great at showing up anyways. But you don't have a great weapon, first of all. Yeah. Especially being a true crime author, don't you think he would have a firearm? Especially at the murder house. Like, you realize that there are freaks out there that will break into the house just because people got murdered there. Ooh, how cool. Or the fact that the kid is still missing and you don't know where the killer is or who he is or that maybe he might come back? Exactly. He's he is way too quote unquote brave. He's not brave, but he is he acts like he doesn't believe in all this stuff for for way too long. Yeah. Yeah. And also just you've been writing true crime forever and you know like the 
deepest, nastiest parts of humanity, get a fucking gun. Like, Agreed. I am not anti I'm anti, you know, spray and pray, <laughs> but I'm not anti handgun. Like, go mm-hmm. get a fucking handgun, you know? Exactly. Like, Jesus Christ. Also, you're a fucking writer and you must have crazy people after you just for that. I agree. Get a fucking gun. Protect Especially your family. Especially right? a true crime writer. Yes. Imagine one, the fangirls, and two, the criminals that want to Ooh. Exactly. And he's an when idiot. he yeah. And when he's up there, there is a snake in the attic. And that always means something demonic. Like, I know it's a deity, but it's very similar to a demon in the way that it operates, especially this one in particular. So, yeah, there's, and there's a scorpion and a snake, and those are both Bagul's forms. We do see that later in Prince when we talk to the the guy talking about the deity. If I went up there and I thought that there was some creepy shit going on because I had seen all these horrible films and I saw this creepy face and then I saw a snake, I'd be like, oh, this is definitely the devil. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And then he sees these drawings of families, all these families dying that he's seen. And then there's always Mr. Boogie. Mm hmm. Nah. Nah. And these drawings are fucked, too. They're like, I mean, all I remember is the ending one, but like when spoiler but the little girl kills her family when the little girl kills her family in the end she draws body parts like cut off they're pretty graphic drawings for kids too yeah and at that point they're pretty much like not even there anymore yeah they've kind of been taken yeah it's super sad yeah so (laughs) then he falls through the roof or the, through the ceiling, excuse me. And then a deputy gets involved. Deputy so-and-so. I love him. Deputy pal. <laughs> yeah. I love him. I love, there's a point when he's really scared and he goes, I don't believe in any of this. And the deputy goes, oh, I believe in all of it. I wouldn't step sleep one night in this house. I'm like, yes. You should listen. And we say deputy so-and-so because like he wants, he's a big fan of this guy. And he's like, you know how you like acknowledge all the people that helped you like i could be like deputy so and so you know and so he just calls him like deputy so and so we also never get his name either in the credits it is deputy and in the credits of the second one it's ex-deputy so and so yeah and that's what he is like in his phone he's deputy Mm -hmm. so and so yeah and now we're finding this bagul all the vi- like he's in the background of everything and he's starting to realize that so he's finding him in everything every scene that these kids kill it's just yep. there somewhere yep and then he also has him like now that he's finding him he has this face like on his computer screen in one scene and he takes a phone call and I just get that face off your screen as he's talking to the talkity talking (laughs) to the deputy all nonchalant. We're just staring at this at Bagul on his screen. And I was like, we know it's going to move. And there it goes. Like, you know, Bagul looks at him. And then when he looks back, you know, it looks like Bagul never moved. But you're like, oh, yeah, right. You fuck. He misses that creep, but then all of a sudden there's a random video that gets sent to him that is of himself up in the attic the night before with ghost hands pushing him through the floor. Yep. Spooky. And now he's like freaking out at this point. He's like, holy fucking shit. And he keeps doing this work in the middle of the fucking night. Stop doing that. It's terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Because the one where the Bagul is looking at him through the... That's during the day. So... Yeah. 
you can you can have sufficient creeps during the day, fam. I promise. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you don't need to just stay up all night and make it worse. Now murder videos just be playing themselves at night and shit. You done stepped in it, sir. <laughs> like now it's happening. You gonna yeah, go? And this movie is so dark at night. Like. Yeah, he is anti turning on the lights. Like I know sometimes they're out, but sometimes they're not. He's he the big man, and this is fake, and this all has an explanation. You still can't see at night. You're not a fucking cat. Exactly. <laughs> like this movie is so dark at night, like so difficult to see in the night scenes that I had to turn off my lights and I had to wait until it was dark outside because the way that I watch movies in my room, there's a window behind my bed, and if mm. there's any light outside I can't see half my screen because mm -hmm. my curtains aren't dark enough so I had to wait until it was dark because I couldn't <laughs> see shit so it's really really dark and then there's creepy night terror kid outside in the bushes so we get that scene and he's hearing things and he thinks he sees he holds up a picture that he printed of the house they live in and from the backyard near where the tree that the family was hung and he holds it up and he sees Bagul in the background and, of course, you get a little jump scare because Bagul's right there. Mm -hmm. And then he lowers it and he goes outside to investigate because he thinks he sees Bagul out there. But then his kid's just out there shaking and shit in the bushes. Right. And then there's a Rottweiler that comes up, which we all know is, like you said, it's very demon-y also. And Rottweilers are definitely the devil. The demon is right there. Yeah. And the but Rottweiler, like... I'm like, oh, fam, he's not he's not growling at you. There's a shit ton of ghost kids behind you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, they don't care about you that much. And his wife is so right to be concerned because they're going to get fucked. Like, they have a huge fight this night. And this is when she finds out that they're actually in the house. Right. I think. Yeah, it's this night, I'm pretty sure. Uh, no, because it's after their daughter draws on the wall. That's oh, the that's right. That's right. That's right. You're right. But she is this this night leading up to it is uh she's mad because that his night terrors were pretty much gone until they moved into this house right and, and so terrible she thinks it's directly related to the work he's doing and being in that house and like you know she's it right is. <laughs> yeah <laughs> she's 100 percent right she needs to listen to her instincts <laughs> and the deputy comes and suggests an occult crime expert that he knows at the university and then we get the lawnmower video, which we don't even see it as the, it's called like lawn work or something like that mm -hmm. yard work. Yeah. And you start it by seeing this family through the windows and they're just hanging out. And then all of a sudden you see a lawnmower point of view and you see that it's about to go over the family and it cuts back to him. And he just like yells and gets up and walks out into the hallway and he can't even watch it yeah i mean i can't imagine oh agreed like you don't actually see anything which makes it my favorite video because i feel like the spooks are there more because it's just a loud noise of the creepy music and the lawnmower and we're just driving we're driving and it's nighttime and there's just a little spotlight and it takes a while before you get to the family and then all of a sudden there's this loud and they get to the family and it cuts i like that yeah, and now he knows, like, Jesus Christ, I'm not dealing with, like, a, not that any serial killer is normal, but, like, geez. <laughs> yeah, like a real fucked up person. Yeah. It's not even the same MO for everybody. You'd, you'd expect, you know, it's an axe murder, everyone's going to get axed. No. 
And then we're just walking around in total darkness being followed by demon children. Which is so cool. I love that scene at night when they're following him and making spooky sounds like the creaking that you hear behind you and like there's actual things there. Yeah, he doesn't see them. No. But they're there. Mm -hmm. He just hears the noises and shit. Mm -hmm. Then we get the fact that his daughter is seeing them because she's rolled over in bed and one has drawn on her wall and she hasn't done it. And she's terrified. Yes. This poor baby. I know. She's, yeah. And you, you don't ever see her as scary until she is. Yeah. That's Until the thing, she's like killing. She only did one thing, or she ha- she only does one thing that's creepy in this whole movie, and then she she is the killer, you know, like. Hmm. So he re- reaches out to the deputy for solace, which is kind of funny the next day because he can't talk to anyone because his wife doesn't know that they live in the murder house, mm-hmm. and he doesn't have any friends because uh-huh. <laughs> the town doesn't want him there. Uh huh. And so he's talking to the deputy <laughs> and he's like, the deputy's like, so do you need to talk about it? You know, and, uh, and that's when he's like, your wife doesn't know you live here. And he's like, oh, that fuck, I would not want to be there for that conversation. <laughs> Ethan Hawke's like, same. And I'm like, dude, you're a fucking coward. Yeah. Like, I would not like that would be the thing where like you lied to me about where we're buying a house. I'm done. Mm-hmm. Like, I am I'm- taking the kids. Exactly, exactly. Especially like, okay, if a murder happened in this house like 10 years ago or something, or if I knew the background on it, then like, okay, maybe because I'm stupid and white. Like, okay, but like. It's been what, months? Yeah, and I don't know the background. It's not even solved. There's still a kid missing and a killer on the loose they never solved. He could Uh come back and hurt us. Uh Uh-huh. No. And come to find out. Absolutely not. That is the real fear. Like, there isn't a serial killer, but it, it follows the house. It scares you so much that you move, and then once you move, it can kill you and start the thing again with the next people that move into that house. Yep. So if they had stayed, it would have been terrible, and they would have just been scared forever. Yeah. But they wouldn't have put themselves next in line. Yeah. And then this next night is when his daughter draws the girl on the walls, which is Stephanie, the girl that's missing. She draws her on the walls and then his wife is pissed because she finds out they're in the murder house. And she assumes that they're, she drew her on the walls because she's been just exposed to her, It you know, just from being in the house. Yeah, or school. Like, I'm sure kids yeah. are probably talking about it. Like, oh, yeah. In the beginning, we get Trevor has drew, has drawn a tree on his classroom whiteboard in permanent marker in Sharpie. And it is a tree with four people hanging from it. You can imagine those kids in that school at least went to school with her for a little bit. Don't you think that fucked with them? Oh, yeah, 100%. And regardless if they knew her or didn't know her or had never heard of that, like just seeing people hanging from a tree, like also it's kind of fucked up that we play hangman. I'm just saying. But anyway, it's super fucked up. Yeah, but uh, it just, but yes, it absolutely is. And so just being in this town, being kids of a true crime author is one thing when you're like, oh yeah, I write about murder, haha. But like being in it presently when your dad is going through whatever mm-hmm. he's going through is a different story. Right. So that night they fight, of course, and you know, he's 
<laughs> he's literally slinked down on the ground while he's getting yelled at. And I'm like, you, I'm not saying he needs to stand up and fight his wife because she's absolutely right. But it's like, you have no excuse for being a sad little man. <laughs> right. Okay. But here's the bullshit part. She screams at him. This is the part where she yells at him. Like I said about the legacy, your kids are your legacy, not your fucking book. And what does he do when she's, I mean, they don't say it, but it's basically you're sleeping on the couch tonight. He goes out and passes out on their little chair watching his fucking interview tapes from his first book you're a piece of shit go hang out with your fucking kids yep but he doesn't want he wants fame more than he wants just a quiet little family like he wants both he wants the beautiful family and the fame he wants his family to be famous he can't have just just the family you know right he wants his cake and eat and to be able to eat it too. And you can't always get both. Doesn't yeah. always work that way. I mean, I also want to be a famous podcaster, but like, you know. It may not happen. Exactly. exactly. Like, I'm still very happy for the listeners that we do have. And I'm not just going to like, I could literally do this for like, we may for like five, six years and never, you know what I yeah. mean? Like, I agree. never I'm see it. fun. If you yeah, guys want to like, listen, that's awesome. Like, yeah, we make, like, a little from our patrons, but, like, And thank you guys, but, yeah. yeah. but, like, it's not much, and, like, I may never see a dime from, like, a sponsorship, or, like, we have the Audible thing, but, like, we were kind of late to that train by the time Audible's been out for, everybody's had their free trials, you know what I mean? Right, but, exactly. Like, you know, I mean, but that's fine. Like, I think we never did this for money, but, like, and if I ever wrote a book, like, if I, even if I self-publish it, if, like, anyone read it, then I'd be happy. And that's kind of what we did with this podcast. Like, if anyone listened, we'd be happy. And then now we're at tens of thousands of streams. Like, fuck yeah, that's cool, you right, know? Right, exactly. It's exciting so, every step of the way. Yeah, exactly. So, and, and but I think the problem is once you do get that taste of success, it's really hard to let it go. But then also don't have kids then and just chase the success. Like don't hurt other people along the way. I I just maybe I think it's more of a guy thing. And this is going to sound weird, but, you know, because women are always taught to have kids, guys have to figure out their own way in the world. They have to figure out their own. What am I going to be? Because they're not given the I could be a mother. So and I think, they have to figure yeah. something out. I think that's also the curse that they've been given, which is a disservice to men of the curse of the provider, because she yeah. is essentially a stay at home mom. We don't ever see her going out and working. Right. And that's fine. That's the decision she's made for herself. That's totally cool. And the, their family dynamic, but also he is the sole provider. And so you're right. He does have some level of I need to do this for and he does say I need to do this for us I think it's more for himself in this situation but it is unfortunate that men feel like they have to be a certain level of successful for their families because we have pressured them into that right and looking at his house he's incredibly successful already like just leave it at that why does it have to be a I want people to know my name they already know your name move on and just write it now like go do your college essays work at a college whatever you want to do but just live in your beautiful home with your beautiful family and let it be yeah unless he's losing it because he hasn't done anything but again he says two or three times I'm not gonna go be an editor they go be an editor (laughs) (laughs) exactly like, it's not like he doesn't have options. He just doesn't want them. Exactly. 
So that night he gets more freaked out and he's talked to a professor that was going to look into these symbols and stuff. So I just want to throw that out there because that comes in later. But he decides he's going to destroy all of the films and everything because they just keep turning on. Things just keep happening. He's getting more and more freaked out. And he's convinced now that this place is basically some level of haunted, cursed, whatever the case may be. Yeah, we've reached the point of get rid of the shit and let's move the fuck out in the middle of the night. Yep. So he tells his family, get in the fucking car. We're going back home. We're getting rid of this place. Let's go. And that's because he saw all the kids up in his attic playing one of these movies and Bagul just jumps in front of his face and scares the fuck out of him. Yeah, that's a jump scare. So that was there. That's a thing that happened. Yeah. So they go back to their house and they're super happy to be home and all is well with the world and blah 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 and then the professor from the university calls him and says this is Bagul well they talk about him a little bit and he says images are gateways to Bagul's possession and abduction well he's already printed out all the images (laughs) so you know he has them on his computer and he gets rid of them on his computer he deletes everything he's already burned all the stuff so we're good right we are not because he moved Right. And that was the thing. Deputy so-and-so does call him because he is a deputy. He is a cop. He has put it together that it's when you move from house to house. And deputy so-and-so calls him and tells him, you put yourself in the line of fire. And then he goes up in the attic and the home movies are back with extended cut reels. So we dun, can see dun, who the dun. killer is. And they're always the young, like the youngest child. Yes. And pretty well, it's one of the kids. I don't. I agree. I don't remember if it's the youngest, but I do want to comment because you you see them all at the end where they like put a finger in front of their mouth like to be quiet, and that's the end of their little extended cut. You see the child, and they do that. The one at the pool. Oh my fucking god! This kid. I don't know how they told him to act this scene out, but it's like they were like, okay, sit by the pool, but act sexy. Like do those pouting lips and look over your shoulder at me and do the thing and we're done because it is so awkward. I hope they didn't tell a fucking like (laughs) 10 year old boy to, oh my God, that's gross. I don't think they did, but he's probably just not great at acting and got this little tiny role, but it is so awkward. That one little thing, it makes me laugh every time. (laughs) Well, he like is all freaked out and he goes to take a drink of his coffee or whatever that he had and he sees something at the bottom of it and he's like the fuck and he like passes out and his daughter's like night daddy or something like that or there's a note that says good night daddy or something and then his daughter's just standing there with an ex and his son and wife are over there also tied up oh yeah and And she says don't worry Oh, yeah. She says, don't worry, Daddy. I'll make you famous again. I love that. I'm like, ha, ha. And then you see her filming bloodied walls on the Super 8 type film, you know, and like they're painted and they're. But you see her pick up an axe. Oh, yeah. She axes them. Yeah. Yeah. And Bagul takes her and everyone dies. And their film is called House Painting because (laughs) the walls are just like splattered with blood. And then, of course, there's a final jump scare of Bagul's face because that's like one of those things I'm always terrified of in a horror movie. I'm like, you're going to do the cheap credit thing. You're going to do the cheap credit thing. You're going to do the cheap credit thing. And this mm-hmm. one did it. Yeah. So just so you know, that's the thing that happens there. So don't feel safe until that happens. But then after that, you're good. But yeah. So, I mean, that 
I didn't think that everyone died at the end of this one. And then they did. And I was like, oh, Mm -hmm. (laughs) there's no happy ending here. Bagul wins. Exactly. I mean, he's a god. How do you fight a god? You don't. You don't. Everyone else does. In other movies, they always figure it out. (laughs) But that's what I like about this movie. Yeah. Like they because essentially you shouldn't be able to figure that out. Exactly. Like they're we, gods. Exactly. We shouldn't be able to outsmart a centuries old yeah. woman. It should be like Cabin in the Woods, where we have to sacrifice things to you to keep you under wraps, but we can't really do anything about it. And someday you're gonna fuck us up. Yeah, we there should be no like you think demons would figure out how to ward off like exorcisms by now. Right. You know what I mean? Or whatever. Like we shouldn't be able to outsmart a deity and we don't in this one. And which is why one of the things I really like about it, like they Mm -hmm. fucking lose. He does all the things wrong and gets his family killed, which is how it's not how it should be, but like in this case, like how it it would really happen. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So I really actually, you know, it's not my favorite film by any means, but it is a good film to watch every now and then it it does kind of lose some of its rewatchability i will say but if it's like your first time watching it it is pretty eerie and if you go a long time like i did between watching it and you don't remember all of the things in between it is creepy because i didn't remember many of the things in between i mostly just remembered the home movies i didn't remember that he was an author i didn't remember why they were there like i didn't remember most of that so mm-hmm. A couple little trivia pieces. I said a lot of it during, but the writer got this idea from a nightmare he had after watching The Ring. Mm. And there's the end is bloody, but I'm pretty sure that was mostly after they lost their R, they got their R rating because they actually tried to have no blood, no sex, no cussing because they wanted it to be PG 13. But just the idea alone was so terrifying that they got an R rating. And a lawnmower going over a family. Exactly. Stuff like I mean, that. Yeah. 13 year olds. I, yeah, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> that's kind of, I don't, that's, that's pretty dark. <laughs> right. Exactly. Uh, and just watching a family being strung up. That's really dark. Like I, I would probably slap an R rating on that too, to be honest. Exactly. Like that's. Mm. So what would you grade it? Um, ooh, oh God. I. My first instinct is to say four, but then I also immediately, when I want to say that, I want to backtrack it to like a three and a half. I don't know. It's between a three and a half and a four. I I feel like a four is really high, but I don't, I don't know if it deserves a four or not, but it's really good. But I don't know. I don't know. It's got a 63% (laughs) critic score and a 61% audience score to give you some background on that, but it's pretty good. So I'm going to say, what if I give it like a 3.8? Can I do that? (laughs) Oh my God. I I can't give it a five because it's not a perfection of a movie, but I adore this movie. I put it on every single Halloween and usually multiple times throughout the year because I just love Sinister. It yeah. just does it for me. It's spooky. It's Halloween-y. It's everything I want. So four. Oh, my God. I love the fact that it's a deity, that it's not our typical ghost story. I'm tired of all the ghost stories, honestly, even though they spook me so much, but I love that it's different. Yeah, no, uh, there's a lot of really good about this movie. The only thing that I was like, four, and then I was like, is it a four? Is just (laughs) there are some things that I just get 
like tired of walking down the long hallways and I can't see shit and then nothing really happens mm-hmm. for a little bit. And then, you know, but I really, really, really love the home movies. I think that is so mm-hmm. unique and scary. So there's a lot I really, really like about it. So I highly ac- recommend this film. It just loses a little bit of rewatchability for me. So it's not something I will put on all the time, but it's something that I was really excited to watch again, even when we were like, okay, it's time to watch Sinister. I was like, ooh, Sinister. <laughs> right, exactly. So, yeah, definitely something I keep in my collection. I have the Blu-ray of, which I've slowed down on buying Blu-rays because 2020, you know, who knows if you're going to have a page. I'm like, now right. it's safer, but you know, but I do have Sinister in my Blu-ray collection and it was on Netflix and I believe it still is because I just watched it, but you know, so yeah, thank you so much for hanging out with us. And you know, of course, where you can find us hopefully now on our social medias. Everything is at the Extra Sisters podcast, except for Twitter, which is at the Extra Sisters. And you can find us over on our Patreon at patreon.com slash the Extra Sisters podcast. You can go over there for all of our tiers and extra content and just come hang out with us. And next time we're continuing Spooky Month and we have 40 years later, evil returns home. Till then, stay creepy. Stay creepy.